with the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Wow, that intro is so good. The 32nd pick, and I just can't believe that's going to be in Arlington, Texas. When the commissioner gets on the on the podium and says, with the 32nd pick, he's like I say, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. He could. Good. He could. It's the one downside to trading down and getting more picks. Ooh, that's true. That's a, that's a great way to start things off. I'm Chris McPherson. <laughs> Hello, my friend, Duffy. This is the Journey to Draft podcast. We're, we're just going to start, start rolling as if we were continuing from last year. I can't even remember how we ended the 2017 edition, but when you think about the run to the Super Bowl, Fran, it's quite fitting that the draft started, or the year started for the Eagles, with the draft being in Philadelphia. No question. And you look at uh, a lot of the players that the Eagles acquired that weekend, and you look at Derek Barnett, came up with the, the fumble recovery at the end of the game. Uh, obviously, Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas didn't have a huge impact in that game, but you saw Mac Hollins, you saw... Uh, you know, you saw uh, Corey Clement, who was undrafted, was a huge part of the Amazing. game. Uh, you know, so you know at least three or four huge plays from that weekend. And I think you still have high hopes for a lot of these other guys moving forward down the line. You know, the Elijah Qualls and Nate Gary and Shelton Gibson, those guys. Uh, it's it was a really good group that obviously had a huge impact on this year's team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to add to it. Can they replicate the success? Uh, that's going to be the, the big uh, question. That's the ideal. That's going to be the goal for this Eagles team because now it's not just getting to the mountaintop, it's staying there. Sure. And players talked about during the year, this was not about a one-year, let's make a great run to the playoffs and see what happens. They want to bring back that level of sustained success. And it's interesting because the players who during the season were talking about it weren't guys who were here for the Andy Reid years. I mean, these are guys who have been acquired the last couple of years, but they understand what those times were like. They heard from alumni who talked about what it was like to be a part of those teams. And they and kind of the cloud. I, I remember during the year doing the postgame show with Ike Reese week in and week out. And, and I always, as the Eagles were getting better and better during the 2017 season and the record kept climbing and climbing, I kept making references to 2004. And Ike Reese would be like, I'm tired of, about, of talking about 2004. Yep. Sure. It's time for new memories. Like, that was a great run. You know, that period of Eagles history was tremendous. They, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but a lot of good years. But it was over a decade ago. Like, this is too good a franchise, too good an organization to have that big a window in between the glory years of the Andy Reid era to winning the Super Bowl here in 2017. Yeah, and now that's uh, that's exactly what you're hoping for now is that it's the start of even more. And, and you know, the, it's obviously got off to a great start uh, with Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman and both of their staffs. Uh, they are certainly pointing up on this team moving forward and you know, a lot of young pieces in place. It is. Uh, it's Wednesday afternoon as we're recording this podcast. And uh, Doug Peterson had just came, came out of the cafeteria a short time ago sporting Super Bowl champions jacket. And just maybe think, when you look at the head coaches in the NFL, this is something that came to mind last night. Uh, when you have those periods where you can't quite fall asleep and you have random thoughts kind of going through your mind, and I'm like, Doug Pearson is now, and I started going through the coaches in my mind, and I confirmed it a short time ago, he's one of eight head coaches who has won a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's currently NFL. active sure. in the NFL, yes, of course. Seven have done it with the team that they're currently with. The eighth is John Gruden, who was recently hired by the Oakland Raiders, who, of course, won it in 2002 with the Buccaneers. But you look at the 32 current NFL head coaches, Doug is in a class of one of eight who have brought home the Lombardi Trophy. It's huge. It's awesome. I, and it's uh, – look, like I said, it's, a, it's hopefully it's a sign of even more to, to come. And he, like, he's, like he has said numerous times since then, uh, the new norm in Philadelphia. He Indeed. So for those of you who – are just not familiar with the podcast for those of you who are coming back and need a little refresher. Basically, we have the show broken down into a number of segments. We're going to lead off with draft buzz, which we're going to go through the mock draft since, you know, Eagles fans are trying to get caught up. But we're a little late to the draft party this year, I would say. Fran is certainly not. 
Fran's been doing his notes all throughout the year. He's been doing his podcast with Ross Tucker, the college draft, so he's on top of everything. But most Eagles fans are still in kind of a hangover from the Super Bowl and are starting to come out of the slumber. Fashionably late. Exactly. It's the best way to put it. The next segment we'll have then will be our Mr. Relevant. Our guest is going to be Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com, who good friend of ours has been contributing to our programming for many years, but he does top-notch work, and he has a lot of great sources inside the business. And when it comes to the NFL draft and you know players declaring and you know whose stock is rising, whose stock is falling, Tony's one of the first people, if not the first guy on top of the action. So we figure we're starting off the journey to the draft process here. We've got to bring him along. Our pick six. So Fran and I are going to go back and forth with six positions that are of interest to the Eagles. Could be for the draft. It could be just off season. We kind of, I kind of left it open-ended. We kind of said, what six, which six positions are we keeping an eye on when it comes to the Eagles? And then your questions, which we solicited on Twitter in our draft mailbag. But we'll kick things off with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. So for Draft Buzz, what Fran, he Fran did all the legwork on this one. He went through the myriad of mock drafts from ESPN, NFL Network, different draft analysts that he respects, just went through up and down and kind of pulled together a list of who the analysts have the Eagles taking at now, some of it's number 32. Yeah. Some of these were done before. I'm looking at the data. Some of these were are not completely up to date. Some of these were before the Super Bowl, so it didn't have a final pick for the Eagles yet. But still, even if you did before the Super Bowl, you were going 31st or 32nd. So either way, these are who the players, the Eagles have the Eagles taking at the end of the first round. And the last couple of years, Fran, it's like the Eagles – you know, pick number two, Carson Wentz, two years ago. And you know, when you started the draft process, they were at 13, and they worked their way up to eight, and eventually to number two, thanks to the trades with the Dolphins and the Browns. Last year, it was 14-15, and then you're waiting for the coin flip yep. to see what would take place there. The Eagles winning that and then able to get Derek Barnett. I will miss the coin flip this year at the Combine. That was fun. That was quite a spectacle. Well, there is going to be a coin flip. There will so be, but I probably won't go to it. I would probably agree with you on that <laughs> A lot of drama involved with that coin flip. So, but again, the Eagles. That was again. That was a the Eagles beating the Vikings once again, so to speak. So, That's right. getting help from the Vikings, I should say, in that regard. Uh, but it's it's much different here, sitting at thirty two, Fran, because when you're in the top fifteen, the top half of the draft, you kind of get a sense of you, you sense a theme of which position, which guy that the Eagles might have an interest in. How many mock drafts do you have here? One, two, three, four, six, nine, thirteen. Looks like here, and there's eleven different names on here. Yeah, there are very few like repeats. That. Yeah, very few repeats. A couple, of the, a lot of the same positions, I would say overall. Um, you know, and it's 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 going to be interesting. And it's uh, I just I said to you a little bit earlier before we recorded that uh, doing our mock, our fan mock draft on a weekly basis is going to be a little bit more daunting each week because we're going to have thirty one picks. We're going to have to go through before our fans vote for the 32nd overall selection. So uh, a little bit a little bit more legwork on our part. You're doing the first fun. one. You're doing the first, first one. one. That's all, all, that's all I said. So look for that mon- next Monday. All right, so kick things off here. It's February 21st. A couple of new ones dropped today. We'll start with Mel Kuyper, the draft guru himself. He has the EO selecting wide receiver Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M. I would say that if I were to have a short list of players that would excite me right now at 32, Christian Kirk would probably be on that list. And he's a guy that I would say most mock drafts at this point is being seen as like a maybe in like the 20th up until the 40th range. So he's okay. right in the smack middle of where the Eagles are currently selecting. 5'11", 200 pounds. We'll see how he times next week. A lot of people don't think that he's got like deep speed because he only averaged just over 12 yards a catch at Texas A&M. To me, though, that was more a factor of how he was used. And he played a lot in the slot, uh, is really athletic. He's a dynamic playmaker. I think he can line up on the outside. The guy that he reminds me of, and this goes back to watching him uh, as a sophomore and even as a true freshman, freshman I watched him uh he reminds me of Brandon Cooks 
Really? And I think he's got that kind of game-breaking ability, a guy that can line up in a number of different spots and win, was also a good kick returner and punt returner during his time with the Aggies. So uh, to me, a guy who's got game-breaking speed, can beat you on the inside, can beat you outside, uh, I'm really, really excited about that kind of potential uh, and adding more speed to the Eagles' offense. Christian Kirk would excite me a lot. All right, so the next one that dropped today came from Albert Breer from the MMQB. And he stays on offense, but he goes along the offensive line with UCLA tackle Colton Miller. Yeah, he's a, he's a player that's getting a lot of buzz right now, especially you know towards the top of the draft. He's an athletic kid. He's six eight, three hundred eleven pounds. He's played both tackle spots. He's athletic, and he's gonna. I would imagine that he's gonna go and he's gonna test pretty well next week out in Indianapolis. The offensive line we'll get to see first, and I think he will test fairly well. Um, a little bit on the older side, uh, but a guy that I think. You know, he's got the he's got the feet for sure to be able to play left tackle. Like I said, he's played both spots, but uh, just moved to left tackle this year. I like his feet. I like his quickness. He needs to get stronger, and there are some technical things I think he's got to work through. We won't dive into all those right now, but uh, I think overall he's got a, pr- a pretty nice ceiling. I just wonder if he's going to be a first round pick I, when it's all said and done. I don't know that a couple of these a couple of these tackles we're going to talk mm-hmm. about today. I don't know that he'll, he'll at the end of the day be a first round pick. All right, so the first repeat that comes up here. This is a player, he's going to be listed in another mock draft later on, but the first one I'm seeing a couple times here. Uh, first time is from Charles Davis, our good friend from NFL Network, does a great job calling the games on Fox during the season. Goes with cornerback, this is a surprise because of the position, Dante Jackson out of LSU, uh, Charlie Casserly from the NFL Network, he also has the Eagles taking Jackson as well at the end of the first round. Here's why I won't say, oh yeah, this is just crazy, is... The fact that Jackson has lined up everywhere for LSU, he's played outside at corner, he's played inside at nickel. This year he played a lot of nickel, and he's played some safety as well. He's 5'11", 175. I've talked with some people that believe that he is a safety. Uh, I've talked with some people that believe that he can be a nickel guy, a starting nickel guy, and I'm one of those. I do think that he can play in the slot. And so if the Eagles do lose Patrick Robinson in free agency, he's an impending free agent. You, that's uh, you want to be able yeah. to play someone in the slot. I think Dante Jackson can be that guy. He's also a guy who can return kicks. He's done that a little bit at LSU. He's an outstanding athlete, and he's going to be one of the best testers of the combine. Point period, point blank. He's going to run in like the low four twos, you know, or in the high four twos. He's going to be a guy that everyone's going to be talking about after the combine. So uh, I would imagine we will see his quote unquote stock rise uh, after next week. So. Don't be surprised to see him in that first-round discussion. Now, will the Eagles be mixed in? That's a good question. But I wouldn't write that off because he's a guy who has shown that he can play in the slot, and that's a lot easier when you're transitioning these guys from college to the NFL. You see a guy who's actually done it in the slot as opposed Mm -hmm. to you're just assuming he can do it. He's done it in the past, and he's done it at a pretty high level. That's the one question when you look at the cornerback situation for the Eagles. is Because you you almost would say they have an embarrassment of riches right now with – Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, they infused the youth last season, bringing in Sidney Jones in the second round and Rasul Douglas in the third round, and Douglas had a lot of quality playing time last year. You know, Patrick Robinson is an impending free agent, but, you know, does that say, does that preclude you from adding another talented piece? No, especially if you have one who is... You don't have to have the projection that you have actual evidence that he can perform in the slot. He actually, and the player I actually wrote down for Jackson is Ronald Darby. Really? Because he's got that kind of, I mean, he's he's legit, like, explosive, yeah. fat. I mean, he's he can run with anybody. So, uh, that that obviously, I don't know that the Eagles are going to necessarily take a corner in the first round. But if you're going to take a corner in the first round, it's going to be a guy who's a special athlete and who can play in the slot. All right, so another repeat position here, not player, but position. This comes from Will Brunson from CBS Sports. Goes with Oklahoma State wide receiver James Washington. Yeah, about a year ago, everybody had Washington pegged as like the number one receiver in this class, and was and a surefire first round pick. And I, and he's I don't to me he's not that kind of a player, but I I like James Washington, and he averaged just just under twenty yards a catch during his entire career at Oklahoma State. I mean, just a, was a ridiculous big play threat for Oklahoma State, but. Uh, 
ironically, he's not a deep speed guy. Like, I don't think that's how he's going to win in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be uh, one of the stars of the combine and run low 4-4, 4-3. I think he's probably in that 4-5 range, honestly. Um, but James Washington, to me, is really, really good at the catch point. He is a possession-type receiver, uh, needs to get a little bit more refined as a route runner. And, uh, but overall, you're talking about a kid with outstanding length. He's big. He's strong. He's got the ability to run through uh, contact early in, in, in the down. I'm a big fan of James Washington. I think if, from a physical skill set standpoint, reminds me in some ways of Pierre Garçon. The difference is, is that Garçon right now is obviously a technician. Was he a technician coming out of Mountain Union in the third round? No. no. But James Washington, I think from a physicality standpoint, like a running back playing receiver standpoint, that's why I kind of they kind of remind me of each other. Uh, James Washington is a fun player. I'll be interested to see ultimately where ultimately where he goes. But he's a possession type for sure. Here's another popular position here for the Eagles when it comes to the mock draft. Two guys here, Mike Denier from Bleacher Report and Todd McShay from ESPN. They each have the Eagles taking a defensive tackle, albeit a different one in each case. Tanier has Tim Settle from Virginia Tech, while Todd McShay has Taven Bryan from Florida. Two very different players, and Taven Bryan, I think, is is probably more along the lines of what uh, we see from these Jim Schwartz kind of uh, players in terms of he is an upfield disruptor, uh, 6'5", 295 pounds. He's got a really quick first step. The production was not always there for Taven Bryan. He's a junior who declared from Florida uh, only 10.5 tackles for loss in his career, only 5.5 sacks in his career. So you look at those numbers and say, oh, this guy can't be that disruptive. But then you turn on the film and you watch him, and the guy is just always in the backfield is a very disruptive force up front probably would play the same role as what like what Fletcher Cox plays here in Philadelphia then you look at Tim Settle he's very different he played in a very aggressive scheme as well for Virginia Tech it was a one gap scheme there he was asked to two gap a little bit but he is a gap stuffer he's a he's a nose tackle similar to a Timmy Jernigan type of player 6'3 335 pounds uh, to me, he's a, a, way, a completely different kind of player. Uh, I don't know that he's going to win with first-step quickness, um, but he's a deceptive athlete. and He's a high-motor kid. He makes plays in pursuit. He defends the run very well. So two very different players. I just, it would be very interesting if the Eagles decided to go defensive line, especially interior defensive line, with all the money that they've allocated for Fletcher Cox and then also to Timmy Jernigan. I'll stick along the lines of scrimmage because that's a big reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And a couple other analysts have the Eagles selecting an offensive tackle in the first round. Uh, Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting has the Eagles taking Ohio State's Jamarco Jones, while Dane Brugler has the Eagles taking Chukwuma Okorafor nice. from Western Michigan. Uh, nicely done. You stuck Thank the you. landing there. Uh, Okorafor is interesting. Very toolsy player. Uh, 6'5". He's got really long arms. He's 332 pounds. He's got pretty good feet. Um, someone who was not born here in, in America. He was actually originally from Botswana uh, and came over. I want to say it was early, middle, maybe middle school uh, that he came over to America. Just a really physically gifted kid. Um, I think that he need, he does need some work. You'll remember last year, I, I loved Taylor Moten, or the right tackle for Western yep. Michigan. The reason why he wasn't playing left tackle was because of a core four. So a lot of people kind of say, like, oh, this kid has first-round ability. I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, but I think that overall, I would say the tools are really interesting. I, I'll be interested to see how he tests next week because uh, if he tests very well at his size, a lot of people are going to get really excited about him. And then you see uh, Jamarco Jones from Ohio State. He's 6'5", 310 pounds. He's a big name. He was an All-American candidate. I think he ended up being first team All-Big Ten this past year. Uh, long arms. He's got pretty good feet as well. I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger as well. He's a, Again, I talked about this with Colton Miller. A lot of these tackles, a lot of people are kind of sliding up the board. Not sure that all these guys are going to go first round. I would throw Jamarco into that mix as well. All right, so two other positions we're going to touch on here. And the first one is going to be an interesting one for the Eagles in the offseason. That's running back. Yep. Because that was a position where I think a lot of analysts thought, and I think the Eagles even probably thought that they would have addressed it much earlier than they did. They got Donnell Pumphrey in the fourth round out of San Diego State. But I think a lot of people thought that they could have been the conversation for maybe Dalvin Cook in the second round, possibly. Um, but obviously, Minnesota jumped up and was able to get him before the Eagles could. So running back, if it's an option for the Eagles in the first round, Josh Norris thinks that Darius Geis from LSU could very much be in the mix. People remember last year, some people 
thought that Darius Geis was a better prospect than Leonard Fournette, yeah. uh, who ended up going fourth overall last year to Jacksonville. Darius Geis this year uh, was bothered a little bit by injuries, and so the, the, the numbers weren't great this year. He was kind of in and out of the lineup, and he really never got to full speed. A lot of people will tell you that, you know what, if you're, if you're all in on Darius Geis, don't even worry about the junior film. Go back to his sophomore year because he was 100% last year in 2016, and this year he was still just trying to find his way coming back from that injury. But when you watch him, you see a really violent runner, um, and from that standpoint, I think that he would fit here in Philadelphia because we've seen the kind of violence that they've got mm-hmm. from the running back position with LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi as well, uh, guys that can hammer it between the tackles. Darius Geis has some juice, though, and I think he's going to test pretty well. I don't think he's going to be you know, lightning quick or anything like that, but I think that he's going to test fairly well uh, at the Combine, a guy who is lined up as a kick returner at times. He's played also other special teams units. But his patience and his competitiveness to me as runner, as a runner is what stands out most to me. He's a, he's a very, very intriguing prospect that it wouldn't surprise me at all if he went in the first round. The last time that the Eagles took a pure linebacker mm. in the first round was 1979, wow. Jerry Robinson. I'm not counting, you know, you could have said Brandon Graham was Marcus at one Smith, point. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm, not, sure. I'm talking about pure off-the-ball linebacker, Jerry Robinson. That's the popular position. And there are three mock drafts here with two different players, Boise State's Leighton Vander Esch and Alabama's Rashawn Evans. Yeah, and uh, Rashawn Evans, to me, I, I like him a little bit more. Uh, 6'2", 230 pounds. He actually began his career at Alabama as an edge player, as a pass rusher, uh, and made the transition a couple years ago off the ball. And he really looked good this year. I mean, it was his first year as a starter for Nick Saban, uh, and he was a thumper inside. He played sideline to sideline, but you saw that physicality, that violence on the inside. Uh, I thought that he saw things faster this year. This was his second year at the position. Uh, He uses his hands very well. He can rush the passer a little bit, so if you want to bring him down and use him as a blitzer, he's obviously got that experience in his past, so uh, that will play well for him. Um, but like I said, he saw things a lot faster this year compared to his junior season, and I think that that certainly bodes well for him moving forward. And then uh, Leighton Vander Esch, I've watched a couple games of him, and, and he is intriguing. I mean, he's 6'4", he's 240 pounds. Some people compared him to a Brian Urlacher. I'm not sure he's that kind of an athlete, um, but he's a, a, a guy who's a really reliable run defender. I talked about that size and strength, that ability to play off of blocks. He's got the ability to do that. Uh, I think he projects as a, as a middle linebacker type moving forward. Fran, before we go into our Mr. Relevant, how many players do you have in your draft data- database? Uh, I have watched over 270 guys. Pretty impressive. Thank you. Pretty impressive. I'm a sicko. What can I tell you? I mean, pretty much once the draft ends, Fran is like, <laughs> all right, what's going on in the 2018 draft? Sam you, Darnold, here we go. You, you've already, exactly. You've, already, you've got the tape fired up the next day. You know, that never ends. It is a never ending process. process. It certainly is. So two seventies. You did reach past three hundred last year. Oh, and I, I will this year. Yeah, definitely. Is there what's the record? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. It's okay. Uh, we could say that for next week. I would week's say podcast. in the in the three fifties probably. Three fifties. Jeez. So that's draft buzz. That's uh in the future weeks. You know when rumors and things like that start circulating about the Eagles. Yep. We'll delve into those, but for now we figure kind of just as a starting point, find out who the analysts think the Eagles might take there at number 32. That's what we have for you. So come up next, Mr. Relevant with Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com to discuss the big storylines heading into next week's Combine. It's time for Mr. Relevant. All right, to kick things off here on this season's debut of Journey to the Draft, we have to bring in the big guns for Mr. Relevant. So we went to our good friend Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tony Pauline. Tony, it's good to have you back on board. I guess it's a continuation of the Super Bowl victory parties for you guys. Congratulations. It's nice to be uh, to be brought back and that, that wasn't forgotten about since uh, you guys are tops in the league right now. <laughs> 
Well, Tony, we, we, it's, obviously we always have to, a, a good time down at the Shrine game at the Senior Bowl, so obviously you went down there without us this year, but you do get the, the enjoyment of our company next week in Indianapolis. We've got a lot to talk about, and I know, uh, you know there's a, obviously going into this draft, or going into this, uh, into this combine, there's a ton to talk about, a lot of big storylines surrounding a lot of the top prospects in this draft. Yeah, obviously, you know, you got the quarterbacks at the top. Uh, that's going to be a big showdown when they throw on Saturday. you got guys like Marcus Davenport uh, from uh, Texas, El- um, Texas San Antonio, I apologize, uh, who, you know, he, he, he can really improve his draft stock uh, with a good combine. Some people are talking about him as a top potential top 15 pick. you got, you got lesser known names like Marcel Aitman, who I reported on Monday. If he can run fast, Running fast for a 210-pound receiver, the way he plays is under 4.5. He's going to shoot up draft boards. So there are a lot of intriguing stories, really, you know, starting at the top of the draft and through the middle round. So, Tony, the, the quarterback picture won't necessarily impact the Eagles directly. Obviously, the Eagles feel pretty good about where they're at at quarterback. But, obviously, Eagles fans want as many quarterbacks to go in the first round as possible to help push other players down the board. And with teams in their division, like the Giants and the Redskins, possibly looking to add to their quarterback room, uh, a lot of fans are going to be interested to see how this all plays out. With Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson there as well, how do you see all of this playing out? What are you hearing when it comes to all these top quarterbacks? Anything of note that uh, fans may be able to take away from this interview? I guess the real interesting one to watch at the uh, Combine is going to be Josh Rosen for a variety of reasons. You know, some we, we, you'll, you'll notice when he works out. Some you probably won't hear about for the, uh, until a week or two after the Combine. You know, He's the prettiest. He's the most perfect passer uh, of the bunch. He's the most NFL-ready but he's got medical issues and he's got personality issues. I'm told that they, uh, they did a segment, uh, that John Gruden t- sort of football camp that they used, quarterback camp that they used to do at ESPN. Gruden obviously is no longer with ESPN. So NFL.com is, uh, and the NFL Network has picked it up, and uh, I'm told that they had all the quarterbacks there, you know, throwing Allen, Darnold, Josh Rosen, and somebody just said that Josh Rosen didn't look right. So you wonder if, you know, if there are some lingering effects from, uh, from the injuries. So, you know, with Rosen, you have to see how he throws on the field, and then we're going to have to wait and see what the medical reports say. You know, is that shoulder completely healthy? Is that shoulder something that's going to be a problem down the road? What do they think about the concussion issues? And then, of course, there's the interviews. I mean, we've been hearing for the longest time, and I have reported that, you know, Rosen has a personality that just rubs some people the wrong way. So that could be the wild card because Rosen – you know, for all intents and purposes, could be the, should be the first pick of the draft if the Cleveland Browns are selecting a quarterback. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So that is a huge story right there, which is going to impact the early selection. So, Tony, the analysts can see the tape at this point, and we're going to get the results from the combine. But the one thing that we really don't get to see are the medical evaluations. And you just talked a lot about that with Rosen. Who are some of the other top prospects in this draft class? who are going to have their stock affected over the next few days and few weeks because of what happens behind the scenes in these medical rooms at the Combine in Indianapolis? Well, I think you got to look at Azeem Victor, the linebacker from, uh, from Washington, who was at one point in time thought of a highly rated selection, uh, had a devastating injury. That, that's one guy who I think uh, you know, could fall because of poor medical records or poor medical uh, returns. Uh, results uh, on uh, you know when they do all the uh, uh, the MRIs and everything else. Nick Chubb, you know the uh, the running back from Georgia, had a devastating knee in- knee injury early in his college career. How does that pan out? You know because that's the difference between Nick Chubb being a, a second round pick and, and Nick Chubb being a, a fourth round pick running back. Probably one of the areas that the, the Philadelphia Eagles would be looking at. So I think those are two guys uh, to, to look at. Dallas Goddard of South Dakota State, not so much an injury that's going to affect his career, but he had a, a significant hamstring injury at the senior ball. Uh, as I reported yesterday, there has been no conclusion as to whether or not he's going to work out at the combine. So, I, I mean, if, that's, if, the, if the hamstring injury is pretty significant and that it could hold him back from training camp, which I have no idea, I've not heard that, I mean, it could affect, affect his draft status going maybe dropping out of the top 42. 
Tony, going into next week, who are the players that you would kind of expect to blow the doors off the workout? Who's going to be the star that a lot of people are talking about as we uh, watch these guys work out out in the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium? Guy that I've been on since October, and all of a sudden everyone else is starting to pick up on it, is Leighton Vanderesh, uh, the linebacker from Boyd State. Another name that Eagle fans should get acquainted with, though I think after his workout, uh, on Sunday, uh, he's basically going to be out of out of contention for the Eagles. I mean, he's going to he's going to come in at about 255 pounds. He's going to have a vertical jump over 35 inches. I'm hearing 38 inches is a is a possibility for him. He wants to run in the four fives. He doesn't really need to run in the four fives if he runs in the low to more uh, low to mid four sixes. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge uh, a huge boost to his draft stock. So I think Van Der Esch really is one of the top guys. He's not going to run the four twos. You're not going to have a John Ross type time for a 255 pound guy. But I think when you look at the overall body of work, the vertical jump, the uh, the 40, I would expect some very quick shuttles from the guy because if you watch him on film, he goes sideline to sideline with great speed. I think that's something that's going to help his draft stock. I think Tim Settle of Virginia Tech, a 325 pound defensive lineman, again. Forget about his 40 time. I expect a super quick 10-yard split. Uh, and if he has and some good shuttle times, if he has that, you know, people are going to shrug their shoulders at a 5-2-5 or a 5-3-5-40, but watch his, his 10 split. If his 10 split's in that 1.6, 1.65 range, he's going to really uh, skyrocket up draft boards. Tony, big picture draft question here. What are the deepest and what are the weakest positions in this year's annual selection meeting? Well, I think uh, it's deep at the quarterback position at the very top. You're going to have five guys, four, maybe five guys that are going to be first-round picks. You're going to have uh, another two or three that are going to be second-day picks. So I think you're, overall you're going to have six to, uh, six to eight quarterbacks that are either first, second, or third-round picks, and that's pretty good for that class. I think the overall the defensive line, both the, the pass rushers, the 4-3 defensive ends, and the defensive tackles, it's a real good uh, a good selection of players at that spot. I like the running back class. You're going to have one guy at the top with Saquon Barkley, but you're going to have guys starting late in round one through the second and third round. Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb's teammate who we talked about, Darius Geis uh, from LSU, a name that I think Philadelphia Eagle fans should get acquainted with. Nick Chubb himself, you're going to have a good lot of uh, running backs in that uh in that second-day uh, area that could be stars at the next level. As far as where it's weakest, it's, not, it's also a pretty good linebacker uh, crop as well. You know, the, court, the safety class is terrible. Uh, you, you, they're basically uh, strong safety types. You don't have any great free safeties. Uh, and I think your, your, first strong, your first safety off the board is going to be somewhere in, in round two. Uh, the offensive tackle class is terrible again. You know, there's one... Uh, pure left tackle in this year's class, Mike McGlinchey of Notre Dame, and there were even some concerns that he can't handle or he won't be able to handle the left tackle spot at the next level. Uh, very thin at the offensive tackle class, not a lot of good pass protectors here. So if your team needs an offensive tackle, you're going to have to try and get something on a free agency because there's not a lot in the draft. Tony, while we're talking about this class, especially compared to last year's, one question uh, I've gotten a lot on Twitter, and I figured I'd, I'd ask you as well, is, yeah, looking at the, the Eagles selection of Sidney Jones last year in the second round, if he were to be in this year's class, how do you think he'd stack up against the, the Denzel Wards and the Josh Jacksons of the world and some of these other names that we're talking about at the top of this group at the cornerback spot? Where would you kind of stack Sidney in this class from what you remember from him last year? He's healthy. He's the first cornerback taken in this year's, uh, cl- in this year's class, no doubt about it. In fact, he's probably a top-12 pick. Uh, I mean, really, even despite the fact that he had the injury, I had him ranked as my number one cornerback last year with the asterisk that there was an injury uh, and some rehabilitation that was going to need to take place. But if he's healthy, there's no doubt in my mind he is the top pure cornerback in this year's class and probably is going to come off the board before the 10th selection. Fans, Eagles fans, look at, what the Eagles have this season because they don't have a second or third round pick as of now. They have to factor in that Sidney Jones is basically going to be a second first round pick for them this year. And if if he play if he's healthy, you know it was worth the risk 
of where they selected him last year because basically if he's healthy, what they ended up doing uh, coming out of the 2017 draft with was two first-round players. Pauline, we will see you next week in Indianapolis, our good friend. Thank you so much for the time, as always. Thanks for having me. He is the one and only Tony Pauline. Again, he is a must-follow during this time, really all year long, because he's always breaking stuff regarding college football and the NFL draft. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline, but follow his work on DraftAnalyst.com as he's breaking stuff regarding the draft each and every day. Now it's time for Pick 6. And, uh, you know, to kind of dip our toes into the water a little bit here, Fran, we're going to go with the positions that we're watching when it comes to the Eagles. Now it's time for pick six. All right, pick six here. So six positions that we're watching for the Eagles. And, Fran, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to take quarterback. I mean, that obviously – we're not looking at who the Eagles are going to add, per se, right. to the position. Sure. It's going to be, what will the Eagles do with what they already have in-house? Sure. You've got Carson Wentz coming off the knee injury. Obviously, a big storyline to watch throughout the entire offseason. You've got Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. And you have Nate Sudfeld, who the, the team is very high on and showed a lot of promise. I, I was impressed by his performance in the regular season finale against the Dallas Cowboys played well against the starters yep um you know inside the building there were weeks of practice where he was lighting up and was looking very good against the Eagles first team defense so a lot of high hopes for him in the future I think right now the Eagles have a tremendous quarterback situation you can argue it's the best in all football and I think the Eagles are in a position of strength right now with the position where if a team makes an offer for Nick Foles, great, but I think the Eagles can sit back and say, you know what, Carson Wentz will rehab. If he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, they've got Nick Foles, and they get to continue to develop one Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good plan. I, I agree with everything. And Sudfeld, a lot of people will say will move, you know, kind of brush over him. Sudfeld, I, I've always been a big fan of coming going back to his days at Indiana. We talked about him a lot that year. Uh, went on this on this podcast and uh, a player that I watched closely because I did like him. Uh, I watched closely whenever he got reps in the preseason down in Washington, and I was excited when he was added here and getting the chance to see him play against Dallas in Week 17. I, I think he's got a lot of talent, so uh, I, I agree. It's going to be definitely a position we're all going to be talking about uh, throughout the course of this offseason. Uh, my first one will go with offensive line, and I, and I think that obviously it was an area of strength for the Eagles for a majority of this year. Uh, obviously, Jason Kelsey played in an all-pro level. Uh, we saw that the, the impact that Elaine Johnson and Brandon Brooks, that, that right side of the offensive line was just outstanding for the Eagles this year. Jason Peters was playing at a high level. Stefan Wisniewski was playing at a high level. But I will say that, number one, we've, we've heard Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson talk about how they want to continue to add youth to that position on a yearly basis, and they want to get back to doing that. Uh, was not They did not add anybody last year on the offensive line, so I think you could see that happen again this year. Uh, we'll see how early that is. It could be round one. It could be round five, six, seven. But I, I think when you look at the offensive line, the ability to add some youth because it is one of the older offensive lines in the NFL. So I think the ability to add some youth this year, whether that's a tackle, guard, center, wherever, uh, I think that that will probably be at the forefront of, the, of these decision makers' minds going into this draft. Certainly, and they also they have to project what they have in house. I mean, Isaac Samalo was slated to be the starter at left guard. Yep, lost a job to Seven Wisniewski. And then you have Big V, Halapula Vadi Vaitai, who played very well down the stretch for Jason Peters. Do the Eagles say, we can count on him if need be once again? Or do the Eagles say, you know, we've still got some time with Jason Peters, but we need to work on figuring out who the future, you would probably say, right tackle is. Unless, like you mentioned, the right side of the line was so dominant, do you just say, leave Lane? if Lane Johnson is the best right tackle in football, do we bother moving him to sure. the left side? Yep. So that's going to be one of the things that Jeff Stoutland and Howard Roseman's crew, they're going to have to discuss this offseason. And I will say, too, one lesson that we can take, and there's lots of lessons we can take from this team. You know, and One of those lessons is don't give up on players too quickly because uh, who was one of the stars of this Eagles offense this year? Nelson Aguilar in yep. his third year. Uh, just because Isaac Sayamalo came in and, and lost that starting job in week two, and you know, it, look, he, he was worked in throughout the course of the season – 
and he made some big plays throughout the course of the year. He was the guy who set LeGarrette Blunt free on that touchdown run early in the game in the Super Bowl. So I, I wouldn't just give up on Isaac Sayamalo for everyone that's out there saying, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a bust. Do not give up no. on that guy. He's obviously a very talented player. So uh, if one thing you take from this season, you can take that lesson as well. All right, so the next position, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the defensive side here, and I'm going to go to linebacker. And it's because you start in the middle of Jordan Hicks. And, you know, when he talked at the end of the season about his rehab, feels great, he's in a good position. Uh, said the Achilles rehab is much different than the one he experienced when he was at Texas. The technology, when it comes to doing the, the surgery, is so much better. He expects to be, you know, back on the field. I think he even said OTAs, which is very promising. You have Nigel Brown, who's an impending free agent and played very well for the Eagles this year. And then you have Michael Kendricks as well. Then after that, it's you have Najee Good, who is you know your core special teamer, guy who can do it all for the for the defense, can play all three positions. And then you have Joe Walker, who suffered a neck injury late in the season. Danelle Ellerby was a late season addition who helped kind of solidify the middle of the linebacking core. But I think you're you're looking down the road here. A, how much are you going to be able to put faith in Jordan Hicks? B. Bradham is a free agent. You don't know how long he's going to be. You don't really have that young guy waiting in the wings that, um, you know, you could say Nate Gary, of course, and certainly kind of project where he might fit into the mix here. Um, but doesn't seem like that there's really that guy that the Eagles can say, if we lose Nigel Brown, X is going to be your starter. Sure. On day one. So that's why I think this is a position that's going to be addressed at some point in the draft. The question is where, because – the Eagles want to focus on winning along the lines of scrimmage, so you don't know if it's necessarily a top priority position. It, it comes into the, you know, if the you're debating between different positions, linebacker would probably be farther down the list, further down the list, I should say. So it's will it be addressed, and then how early would the Eagles be willing to address it? Is, do they say, look, if a you know Rashawn Evans is sitting there at 32 and he's just too good a player to pass up? We'll go for it. Maybe that's the case. Sure. Or is it something where, you know what, we can get a as good at another position and then we can come back later to address linebacker. But either way, I think linebacker is going to be a key position to watch on defense this offseason. Yeah, and I think that you could say the same about the next position that I'm going to go with, and that's tight end. Yeah. You know, the Eagles haven't drafted a tight end since 2013, Zach Ertz, and before that it wasn't 2010 uh, since Clay Harbor. So really, wow. it's been two tight ends in the last uh, eight or seven drafts, so uh, eight drafts. So you know, to me, I think you look at that and you say, all right, well, Brent Selk's getting a little bit older. Uh, Trey Burton is an impending free agent. Mm-hmm. We'll see you know, if the Eagles are going to be able to bring him back or not. But um, you know, you had a, a couple of young guys in camp last year that I think you know, the team is excited about. But you can still put that in, into the discussion in terms of uh, will they decide to add another tight end via the draft? And it's it's not quite as dynamic a group as it was a year ago. I think that was kind of a legendary group in terms of you know the guys that can impact the passing game. But uh, this is a pretty good group of tight ends. And so how, how the Eagles decide to kind of approach this group, will you see a guy go off in the mid-rounds? I think that will be interesting. Or if one falls to you at the end of round one that you just, you know what, this guy, you can't pass him up. You want to pair him with Zach Ertz. I think you can't lose there with how much the Eagles played in 12 and 13 personnel with multiple tight ends on the field. Uh, I wouldn't rule that out either. All right, so my last position, I'm going to stick with offense. I'm going to go running back. And the Eagles have a situation now where I talked about earlier in the podcast how it was a position that the Eagles probably were looking to address earlier in the draft last year but didn't. Uh, you do have Pumphrey coming back from the hamstring injury, so you got to factor his growth and his entire offseason of work into the mix. But you have LeGarrette Blunt, who's an impending free agent. Darren Sproles is a free agent, and all signs point to that he wants to come back after uh, he had talked about 2017 being his final year. Uh, you have Jay Jai, who you acquired in the trade with the Miami Dolphins at the trade deadline on Halloween in 2017. Uh, you have Corey Clement. I mean, Corey Clement could be a player who factors heavily into this because of the outstanding performance he had, not just really throughout the course of the season, but primarily in the Super Bowl, having the touchdown reception. I think he finished with, was it four catches for 100 yards? Yep. Um, you know, and that was one of the knocks on him coming out of Wisconsin was his pass-catching ability. I mean, the Eagles trusted him in special teams roles early in the season, but then you saw him more and more 
worked into the offense, and there were key third and fourth down conversions where Corey Clement was got on the field, the Philly special. Yep. He's the one who took the direct snap and tossed it to Trey Burton, who tossed it to threw the ball to Nick Foles. So they really trusted him, and I think having him in the mix allows the Eagles maybe to have some more flexibility to address other positions than maybe having to say, we've got to get a running back early. Corey Clement was on the field for the flea flicker in the Minnesota game, too. He was the one that threw it back You're to right. Falls. You are correct on that. that just, so. It just occurred to me. He's the trick play specialist. It's, it's, it's a very interesting role that he had this year. So. <laughs> and then you also have guys, you know, Wendell Smallwood, who, you know, just became a numbers game for him. Yep. Um, Kenyon Barner, who was, you know, a big pickup for special teams after Sproles got hurt. So you have other guys like that in the mix as well. But to me, Corey Clement's addition really factors into the running back position as a whole, where I don't think it's as much of a priority as it probably was supposed to be mm. at maybe this time. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say this time last year. I'd probably say probably, you know, post-draft before, you know, right after they, uh, right around when they acquired Blunt. Sure. Wow, that's a, it's a it's going to be a very interesting position, and I'm sure it's something that we'll be discussing a lot uh, moving forward through the off season. And uh, another position I would go, and this was interesting. I was looking back at previous drafts. It's been four years since the Eagles have drafted a true safety in the draft. I couldn't think of it. It's funny, <laughs> you know. I've I've been with the team full time since '04, but I even covered some of the drafts for the team before that. And it's just the names that come to your mind. Oh yeah, and, sure. And I'm just sitting here, you're like safety, and I'm like, there are some wacko names i'm like that aren't even safeties i'm like do you remember this guy do you remember that nope. guy and it's like no and i cannot think of the last the true last, safety the last true safety was 2014 it was ed reynolds in the fifth round the year before that was 2013 there was a fifth round pick again in earl wolf so uh we haven't seen really a big uh, high draft pick at spent at the position in a while uh it's been since the 2011 draft with jaquan jarrett so i think when you look at uh the the positions where the eagles could decide to go in this draft you can't rule out safety, and I think when you look at it, you say, all right, well, the Eagles have probably the best, one of the best safety tandems in the NFL with Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. At this point, I think you would definitely say yeah. it because I think before it was Seattle's. Yeah, and uh, those guys are, yeah exactly. Coming yeah. to an end. No question. So I think when you, you look at this team and you say, all right, well, where, where are some, some positions that could use some youth? You might think safety. Now, the only thing that I would, say, I would throw into this is that, okay. and this is going to be some internal discussions, would be we talked about the numbers game at corner. Do they view mm. any of those corners as long-term options at safety? And if that's the case, you know, maybe then you're not so worried about you know, finding someone that can kind of learn in the, in the wings behind a Rodney McLeod and a Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, if you view, you know, I'll just say if you view a Jalen Mills if you, or if you view a Razul Douglas as a future safety down the road, then maybe you're not as worried about it. But uh, that could be another position that we could end up talking about moving forward into this, uh, into this draft season. I thoroughly enjoyed, we have NFL Network on in the background, and it was a commercial for the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony. That'll be fun. Tickets. So I'm shocked that there are even going to be tickets available because I think all of Philadelphia and Eagles Nation will be traveling to Canton this year. I know but, several people in my family and friends that are, that are making the trip. Are they? Yeah. You know, and it's special because there are a lot of fans who weren't able to make the trip to the Super Bowl, per se, who are like, we're not missing out on this. No. So we're going to transition now to our final segment of the show. It's your questions in our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Last but certainly not least here on the 2018 debut episode of Journey to the Draft. Your episode 94. Qu- episode 94. Yeah. We're going to crack 100. We're going to crack we three will. bills. Yes. Wow. Got to figure out a way to celebrate that one. We've got a few episodes, at least, before we have to worry about that. Very true. But first, your questions, and I think someone who has provided a question for probably 90 of the episodes, <laughs> our good friend at Eagles Troll, what is, which is more likely to happen, the Eagles draft an offensive tackle with their first pick or a linebacker? And this goes back to what I was talking about before yep. and why linebacker is a position to watch because if you're saying equal ability, you know, say 32 – a starting quality offensive tackle, starting quality linebacker, to me it's going to be the offensive tackle. I think that we've seen the, the, the Seagulls front office talk about the importance of the offensive line and the trenches in general. So you play to that. The fact that they haven't drafted one in the first round since uh, 1979. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So if you're really if you're like a numbers guy, you say, all right, we're going to play the odds and just yeah. guess that it's going to be a tackle. Um, or you could also look at it in the other way and say, oh, well, they're due. 
That's true. <laughs> but I, I guess I, I would lean more towards the former. I, I think it's more likely a tackle if I were to sit here today and ask. But I think that you're so late in the first round that if there is an exceptional linebacker, and look, I'm, I'm sure over the years there have been linebackers who, if they were available where the Eagles, when the Eagles picked, of course. they would have taken them. No question. Just that wasn't the case. So, but I think you're more likely that if there is a first round quality linebacker there at 32, the Eagles would pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I would agree. All right. So, second question comes from at Matthew Elam 78. With no day two picks as of now, do you feel that this draft has value for us to trade back for more picks, or would you rather stay put and take the best player available? And if that's the case, who do you, who would you hope that would be there? Uh, well, that's a loaded uh, that's a loaded that's question. A lot, a lot of yep. questions there. Um, I would say that if you if you look back at a lot of the trades recently involving those like the 29th pick, the 30th pick, the 31st pick, and teams trading back, they're usually able to trade back. We'll say like 10 spots and pick up like an extra three. If you're gonna yeah. tell, if you're gonna sit here today and tell me without, with you know, blindfold, I have no idea who's gonna be available. I think that's probably a pretty good offer, and I probably, they're probably, I'm sure that teams are already having those discussions around the league about setting up those trade scenarios. Of course, or they will really pick up next week in Indianapolis. No question. I guess to to me is you you, you don't know who's gonna be there at 32. If someone that the Eagles value, you say they have, you know what, this guy is the the 15th best player in the draft, and he's someone that is just too good to pass up at 32, you take that guy. Yeah. If there's, if you, let's say you have a deal in the works to, to be able to move back 17 spots and there's 20 guys left that have a similar type of grade, you probably feel, all right, let's, let's move back. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those things where you see how it presents itself. I wouldn't imagine that the Eagles would make a trade to move back before draft night. So it's going to be one of those things where they're going to see how the board lays itself out. Um, but I think that this, this draft in particular is one of those years where the Eagles are in a good spot. They don't need to be... It's not like it's it's front loaded where oh man like if you're not in the top ten like you're really missing out on a great player. I think that there's some good talent at the top. Mm-hmm. There's going to obviously the quarterbacks we're going to talk about throughout the course of the spring that are going to be in that discussion, and then there's a bunch of players going from we'll say like 15 to 50, where I don't know if that guy is going to go at 17 or if he's going to go to 41, or I don't know if he's going to go at at 32 or if he's going to go at at 18, like. It's a it's a good group. We're going to get more information over the course of the next few weeks, especially with the combine. But it's a good class with some good talent at the top. That it, you know, the, if the Eagles did decide they wanted to move back, I don't think you're going to get a player that's margin that's a lot worse than they would have gotten at 32. That, it's something that I actually wanted to ask Tony. That's one question I missed on was saying where the Eagles are sitting at. Would it be better to just kind of stay where they're at, 32, or? possibly go back for for the more picks sure you know asking basically i asked him which positions were the deepest but just the overall depth of the draft especially in that late first round early second round area so um but i mean that's i think you explained it well i pretty much think it's going to come down to who's available because if a guy slides and you know i'm going to be intrigued to find out which of these guys who we're seeing in the top 10 to 15 is going to be the guy who will slide someone's going to slide sure it's just a matter of who is it going to be. Our next question comes from at Strauss of Pain. We've seen some teams, and San Francisco and Seattle come to mind, take chances on boom or bust prospects once they were set up with deep rosters. They took a risk with Sidney Jones last year. Could the Eagles use that strategy since they have no glaring needs? I think I, I wouldn't expect them to just say, like, oh, you know what? We got the Lombardi in our back pocket. Let's take some chances. Yeah, I don't. I don't expect that. I think that they're going to go. They're going to approach this draft the way that they approached last year's and the way that they approached the one the year before, and they're going to try and acquire the best players they possibly can. If some of them are more risky picks, like a Sidney Jones, mm-hmm. that's fine. They'll make that call. Um, but I don't. I don't think that the wholesale philosophy is going to change now that they no. the Super Bowl. I don't think you go out of your way finding. A guy who oh oh well, he dropped a round in value because of his injury. Right. Let's let's pounce on especially him. No. looking at San Francisco. Those picks didn't, didn't work. work out. No, <laughs> that's the they thing. Did not work out in that roster. They took, got depleted very quickly. Because I, I think they took Lattimore yeah. from S- South Carolina. They took who was the guard from Clemson? Brandon uh, Thomas. Brandon Thomas. Yeah, they took the defensive lineman from Florida State, uh, Tank Carradine. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. It has it didn't work. Guys worked out. 
So it's a very, very risky proposition. I feel like the Sidney Jones one for them was as, you don't want to say safe, but if they felt that if he were not injured, he would be, and Tony Bowling said earlier in the podcast, would be the top corner, he'd be the top corner last year, and he's the top corner this year. Yep. They felt he was just too good a talent to pass up, and they felt, you know, with the doctors looking at the injury, he would get back eventually to 100%. So you have to take it on a case-by-case basis, but I don't think you just kind of take a wholesale philosophy and say, let's take as many risks as possible. You're trying to limit the mistakes. You're trying to you know, increase the odds because you're not going to get all of these picks right. So you're trying to say, all right, well, which factors can we, which variables can we put in our favor to make it the best choice possible? Uh, next question comes from at Jamie underscore sir. Who are some mid-round tight ends? You're going to have to answer this one, Fran. Who are good blockers who can complement Zach Gertz? Uh, um, I would say uh, you could throw Troy Fumagalli in there from Wisconsin. He's probably a mid-round guy. that He's not a finished product as a blocker right now, but is um, a guy that I think embraces that role. Uh, I would throw Dalton Schultz in there from Stanford, although he may go a little bit earlier than what we're, we're talking about in terms of the middle rounds. Hayden Hurst from South Carolina I'd put in the same vein. Uh, may go, you know, the second, third round as opposed to fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, Tyler Conklin from Central Michigan was down at the Senior Bowl. He kind of he's like a Trey Burton kind of blocker in that he's a little bit undersized, but he gives good effort uh, at the point of attack. He's under six three, but he's over two fifty. So you know, he's a he's kind of a stocky kid who's who's pretty athletic, but can uh, can be used in those ways. And then Ian Thomas from Indiana is a guy that I've watched that I think can can get some things done as a blocker as well. So. Uh, those would be the guys, I think. And Ian Thomas, former teammate of Russell Douglas at Nassau Community College really? before he transferred to Indiana. Look at that. It's the little nuggets. Uh, and Fran, he literally has a column. It's not called Nuggets, but <laughs> that would actually be a good column. It would have. be a good I would like a Nugget column. A Nugget column would be good, but in your uh, draft database, all kinds of little As fun Chef facts Tim, like this. Uh, from the Feeding the Birds podcast, says, I'm a big fan of Nuggets. There you go. <laughs> All right, our last question comes from at Zona Eagle. He would love, to, I, he or she, could, I believe it is he, but yep. he would love to see Ronald Jones in Midnight Green. Any chance he falls to number 32? What are your thoughts on him? I think there's a chance he falls to 32. I don't think it's a definite that he'll be there. I think I think there's a chance because it's a running back. You never yeah. know. Um, I'll tell you what, I was coming into the year, I, I liked his ability, um, but I was a little bit worried about his vision. Uh, he's uh, to give you a, a quick abridged version. He's like six foot, six foot, six six foot one. He's a bigger kid, but he's explosive. One of the most explosive backs in this draft. He reminds me in a lot of ways of Jamal Charles, who had a lot of success with Doug Peterson mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Um, so the the Eagles could look at that and say, hey, we can do a lot of the same things that we did in Kansas City uh, with this kid. And he's got a lot of ability this year as a junior. I watching them on TV, and I watched a lot of USC on TV this fall. Because they had Darnold and they had some other good players, that was excited. So I, I watched a lot of them, and he seemed to see things a lot faster, and his vision looked a lot better. And so going in and studying him that uh, within the last few weeks, that held up. His vision got a lot better, and I think he's going to be in that discussion. In that, you know, we'll say the top twenty up until the you know fifty sixtieth pick, I and mean, he's going to be somewhere in that area. He's He's an exciting back who can win as a as a pass receiver. Um, you know he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. And like I said, that speed at his size is really impressive. So when we look at the annual debate about first round running backs, yeah, Barkley is a surefire. He'll be a first. Five. Yeah, he's going to go. He's yep. a lock. Yep, I would agree. After Barkley, is Geis probably the next? And that's the that's the big discussion right now. Is who's who's the running back number two? And it's it's Geis. Sony uh, Michelle, Ronald Jones, and Sony Michelle are probably the three most popular names I would okay. say that are being thrown out there. Uh, me personally, I would throw Nick Chubb into that discussion as well. I, I don't think there's many analysts that would agree with that. I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. Um, after that, it's uh, there's a few guys. You know, Carry on Johnson. It's a, it's another good running back yeah. class. It's like like last year. It's another good group of backs. So you know, Rashad Penny, Donnell Pumphrey's former teammate at San Diego State, tore it up this year. He was outstanding. Um, Carrion Johnson from Auburn, I mean, he near, nearly willed that team to an SEC title. Uh, had he not gotten hurt, he may have gotten them there. Uh, a lot of really interesting players that will be seen as, like, change of pace, you know, pass catchers, you know, whether it's Naheem Hines from NC State, Akram Wadley from Iowa, uh, Mark Walton from Miami. It's 
it's another good group of running backs. A lot of really interesting players. It goes back to I saw, I think I saw someone write about this. Is where will teams take running backs? Seeing how Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt did this season. Yeah, and that's that's what's it's always interesting because you know everyone says, oh, like you look at the third and fourth round. Oh, there were plenty of third and fourth and fifth round running backs that like didn't make do, it. Didn't make yeah. it too. So and uh, Leonard Fournette. Nearly led his team to, to a Super Bowl. They should have been. They should have. Should they should have been, been the Eagles opponent in the Super Bowl. Yes, they should have been in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and Leonard Fournette was a huge part of that. I know that some people aren't a big fan of Leonard Fournette. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Leonard Fournette. Um, so I think that he uh, he certainly had a huge impact. You look at Zeke Elliott and the impact he had on the Dallas Cowboys two years ago yep. as a rookie as a t- as a top five pick. There's something to be said for that. Now. Then you look at the two Super Bowl participants this year and how they built their backfields, and it was not used on a, a first-round running back. So uh, I think there's a lot of different – I think there's good arguments on both sides. Fran, I think that's going to do it for us here. The maiden voyage. The first episode of the 2018 season of Journey to the Draft is in the books. Again, you make sure to check us out wherever you consume podcasts. You can leave comment or rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pod Bay, wherever you check out your podcasts, make sure to leave us a note. And if you want, put your questions there so we'll answer them. It's a great way to guarantee that they will get answered on the podcast is if you leave them there. Indeed. We're going to have to come up with some swag for the fans out there. I'm in. I'm in. We'll have to work on that. I'm so. for that. I'm sure you're for the swag. <laughs> Not for you, Fran, but right. for the yeah, fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. All right. Uh, special shout out to Brian Tellis, our producer behind the glass, for making this sound so well. During his first episode. So, again, everyone, thank you very much. For Fran Duffy and Brian Thomas, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast.